Welcome back to another episode of Socially Impaired with Devin and Andy. And this week is Valentine's. Depending on when you watch this, it's probably already passed. But I figured we'd talk about uh, the rom-com genre. And we're also going to cover the past two episodes of WandaVision. And then talk about the movie Spontaneous. Okay, so One uh, Division episode five and six is what we're talking about. Episode five is called On a Very Special Episode. And this episode, I think, takes place in the 80s and 90s, which I think is a little bit different of a time jump than in the past couple because it's sort of, it's two decades instead of one. And they sort of do this in, both episodes five and six but in episode five uh we see more of wanda and vision's kids tommy and billy and how they interact with them what'd you think of this episode uh yeah it was great Uh, the intro is definitely a late 80s inspired uh i think what was it like uh growing pains or family ties and uh, those types of shows and I really liked that because Vision was Vision is just more, you know, really getting into the idea that there's something wrong here and trying to figure out why he is there. I definitely thought like family ties was the vibe that I got. I think that's what the set was looking like. And with uh, you talking about Vision and starting to um, feel, or he's starting to feel like something's off. It kind of, I thought that the 80s uh, reference like they're the pulling from the 80s was um, kind of clever because he's like that 80s dad and like the, that dad is sort of like the moral center of the show. So he's starting to realize that maybe, you know, something's not right with Wanda and something's not right with the um, Westview. So I thought that was kind of kind of a cool connection. Yeah, definitely. I like the fighting between them. It, it, it was, it's weird. I mean, because that's been over a week now. And the biggest thing I obviously remember is the end of the show. <laughs> right. Yeah, uh, that- when they started fighting and yelling at each other. And then obviously the big reveal of her opening the door. Um, which, by the way, technically you did call that. <laughs> right? <laughs> sort of. I thought yeah, it was going to be handled right. a little differently. but yeah. So you were, yeah, you were talking about how like, like in Roseanne, they had the different actors playing the same thing. So that was pretty cool. Yeah. And honestly, I like that Quicksilver better in the Fox. And obviously, there's a reason why it's all going on. It's crazy and cool at the same time. Which leads us to the, the second or episode six. Wait, wait. So, so in, in episode five, like this, the uh, the big reveal, I'm assuming, you know, or assuming everyone has sort of watched it, is Evan Peters' actor from the Fox movies shows up as pedro which is weird because i don't remember him being called pedro in the fox ones i just remember him being called quicksilver yeah but then darcy, name. Mm-hmm. yeah darcy's talking about how she's like you know she's watching it on on the screen and she's like what the heck wanda recast uh quicksilver to pedro or she oh no she just says wanda recast pedro and it, you know i don't know it yeah it's it's pretty it's pretty clever of the show to try and just sort of switch it out like this yeah, that's hilarious. And her her line of saying that really drives home the idea that, you know, I guess because you could have thought, oh, they're just replacing 
they're using the Fox guy, but since she said that, it really is just some weird thing going on in Wanda's Westview. I mean, that's obviously the thing that, you know, you're saying you remember from that episode, and it's, it's mostly the thing that I remember. That's the big thing. But I thought there was two other kind of, I don't know, bigger or big moment, not bigger, but bigger moments in the uh, in the episode where because she does have kids now and there's like this sequence where they adopt a dog and the dog dies and then she's trying to explain to them that she you can't just resurrect anyone, you know, because yeah. they're trying mm-hmm. to they know she's powerful. So she's they're like, can you just, you know, recreate them or whatever, you know, just make them come alive. And she's like trying to give them this lesson. But it's kind of like she's um working through some of her trauma that vision is dead and that she had to re- resurrect uh vision in some capacity so i thought that was kind of an interesting sequence revealing sequence for uh, wanda's character right and as she's saying that to the boys i feel like in her mind she's realizing what she's saying is also what she's doing you know she's learning her like i, I can't do this although here i am doing it yeah I need to not do this. This is wrong. And I, a lot of the time she tends to like stare off into the, <laughs> to the after, I don't know what she's doing, but it seems like yeah. she's always realizing something's going on. And there was another aspect with the dog and all that stuff is with Agnes, the neighbor. Um, she's, you know, it, it, like they're using powers in front of her. She, you can tell it's really weird with her now. And they're just ignoring the fact that she's seeing all this. Like the boys literally grew up right in front of her face while she was there. And she just went along with it. And was it the same episode where, you know, Vision was like, what? because she was saying, do you want me to take that back from the top? Like reset the scene? Yeah. yeah. Was is that, that? Yeah, that was that. Because they were babies, right? Yeah. 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 They age up like the babies to like, I don't know, five or six years old or something. And then I thought another part, another big part of this episode was that the, um, I don't, I don't know what's the agency FBI, I don't, whatever the sword. agency. So yeah, sword outside uh, that are trying to figure out what's going on inside the Wanda's uh, newly created Westview world. Or sword ends up sending in a drone with a missile on it, and I didn't. I read this afterwards, but and and I don't remember if they really um, explained this in the in the episode, but it's a. 1980s drone and it's like a stark 1980s drone and this is sort of what sets wanda off because that's what happened in age of ultron between her and her brother that was like the reason they sort of turned bad or started off bad was because of stark's weapons destroyed uh her her family or killed their family or something i mean they they briefly touched on the fact that the reason why the drone could go in there is because they needed tech that was old so the okay, 80s yeah. part, okay. but yeah, I didn't associate the fact that she knew it was a stark thing. Really, I don't know if you can say she overreacts, but she comes out and is uh, <laughs> like takes yeah. over all the sword agents and points the their guns. Like mind controls yeah. them to point their guns at. Uh, Hayward is the the uh, the guy in charge. Yeah, that was a badass moment too when she <laughs> came out and did that. It was great. And one other. This is this isn't really a comment about the episode, but um, the casting of Evan Peters as Quicksilver and uh, Aaron Taylor Johnson as Quicksilver. 
I was reading about both these guys coming into this week, and I didn't realize that they both starred in the movie Kick-Ass together. <laughs> it's just one of those things where it's just like, what, really? They, they're casting that movie together, and then they end up being the same superhero in two different uh, franchises. So I thought <laughs> that was kind of cool. Cool trivia. It, was it in the original Kick-Ass? Kick-Ass yeah, he, huh. No, huh. in the he's uh, uh, Evan Peters plays uh, Kick-Ass Kick-Ass's uh, friend. Okay, yeah, he's the one I'm, I'm not thinking of. Yeah, you know what? Hmm. I when I um, saw a picture of him in Kick-Ass, I was like, oh yeah, I guess that is that guy. Yeah. But he looks different to me okay. in in that movie, so it, it wasn't like it just I don't know, it just never really popped into my <laughs> brain that that was him too. So. Yeah, I'll have to keep an eye out for that. Uh, so episode six is when you kind of find out as well that Sword is mostly interested in Vision, right? Uh, they they zero in on him. Yeah, yep. And so the the reason why they're really there is not necessarily for Wanda; it's for Vision. And there's still this idea that there's really a different villain, even though they're making it seem like Wanda is. I mean, obviously Wanda's controlling a lot of this stuff, but. Uh, the first thing that I loved about this episode was that it was Halloween. Okay, I'm really surprised that wasn't the first thing you said because I, I, yeah, I as soon been. as the episode like started and it was Halloween, I like would chuckle to myself. I'm like, oh yeah, Andy's gonna get a kick out of this one. Yeah, I loved that, and because they came out with the Scarlet Witch costume and the Vision costume and even the Quicksilver costume, and and during all the promos, they kept showing that off, and I didn't watch trailers or anything, but I kept wondering like okay how are they going to play that into where she's wearing that outfit and halloween is perfect yeah perfect way to bring that in yeah and yeah so i love that setting overall yeah i thought that the the episode title all new halloween spooktacular i was like oh my god this this is like (laughs) i mean did did you write this show like this version this this episode like the title and everything yeah and it was a crazy episode overall and very powerful and Shows how powerful she was. Uh, but the, other than the Halloween, I loved the 90s intro too, like the late 90s sitcom. Well, not necessarily sitcom. This is where it moved more into the kind of Malcolm in the Middle style TV show. I thought it was hilarious in the way they were playing that off. Yeah, they did like a, like a home video, like hand cam intro, yeah. right? And then once the episode started, they did the, where the, a couple of the characters are talking directly to the um, to the screen, so it's like that Malcolm in the Middle thing. Yep. So, yeah, it was it was right off the bat. It was like two decades of of, of uh, references. So it's pretty yeah, good. It, in the end of uh, episode five, it's like, oh look, Quicksilver, and then in episode six, it's just Quicksilver is a part of it, and Uncle uh, Pedro is there, and they're <laughs> messing around, and he's like the bad, not the bad uncle, but the bad influence. Yeah, zany, uh, zany uncle in yeah. the show. <laughs> and so over, overall, I, I, this was probably like one of my favorite episodes. Um, yeah, for me too, because I think it um, it's really starting to come together. And I think it was a good idea to have uh, Pedro there because then Wanda's talking out loud with someone other than Vision about sort of what's going on. But then it at least, I mean, I, I'm sure you got this too, but it kind of, it feels like there's something off with, uh pedro or the quicksilver character like what else what else is uh going on here yep and that that idea of that she has someone else to talk to 
and talk out loud with is that he he's uh his approach is reassuring to her like oh no what you're doing is fine you're fine this is totally good it's it's okay you can do this and everything so he's definitely you know at once when at one point she sees him kind of dead the way she sees vision dead often as well right when he was all shot in the chest well it was still the new quicksilver but they showed him as if he was dead yeah, like how he died in Age of right. Yep. So it's just, again, that she's realizing that these people are dead, and I'm trapping all these other people, and now Quicksilver is, you know, amping me up and being like, no, you're cool, you can, this is totally normal, you can do this. In this episode, too, so you're, you're talking about how she sees Quicksilver being dead, but then there's, because Vision goes up, like, they're supposed to be celebrating Halloween together, but Vision decides that he's going to go do like a neighborhood watch kind of thing. But he's really just going out to explore the outer edges of Westview. And there's more stuff that seems off and weird. And he's trying to figure stuff out. And, and like, it seems like as people are away from the center of Westview, the less control Wanda has because outside on the fringe, these people are like almost standing still or moving in slow mo. They're not really doing anything. So it's like this weird sequence where he goes and looks at all these people doing that. Yeah. And then he tries to, or he he does um, sort of push outside the barrier of the hex. And this is where I thought it was a little weird because I think we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, but if she's like propping him up as in, because he's dead. And so he's, while he goes outside the hex, like he's starting to like, I don't disintegrate or like, be not controlled by the hex anymore but it, it he starts to like almost like turn back to how, you know being dead again and so it's like it seems like she's propping him up and right? mm-hmm. he's still actually dead but i don't know it's kind of weird because he's he's working out on his own too so it's like she recreated him but it only lasts while he's in the hex and and if he leaves the hex he's back to normal but it, i don't know it's kind of weird I, I don't understand it quite yet it's definitely weird, but piecing together with the past episodes, they showed Vision. So uh, Vision's not just a whole complete uh, synthetic dead body, right? They actually took him apart in one of the scenes when they were showing. Like when she, she goes to rescue or Yeah, he's whatever. like in pieces. So Steal him? What, I don't know what you call that. Right. And the, <laughs> yeah. And that's kind of what, uh, when he was leaving the hex, I felt like is that everything that was getting pulled backwards towards the hex was like the life she gave him. And he was about to just turn back into a bunch of different pieces of synthetic yeah, person or whatever. Um, so how do they show how Wanda goes and gets vision? Is that Darcy looking at like old footage or is that just a flashback? I can't remember. It was, I think the, the director of sword was trying to show them that, Oh, see Wanda's bad. Oh, she, okay assaulted the sword institute and took vision's body yeah so that's kind of weird though right because they show that and he's like in some room and they're i don't know dissecting him like you said and it's like so what the fuck were they using him for yeah and they said it was like because it was five years because uh wanda had disappeared for five years too so she came back and they had him like that and that's what she went to do first of all Hmm. well after she came and fought in Endgame <laughs> that she went straight to go get Vision yeah. but yeah the there's definitely a sword 
uh, is interested in vision and it probably has to do with the original person that was interested in vision before vision <laughs> became vision, right? You think Who? Ultron Ultron? Yeah. Mm-hmm. May- maybe. I mean, that's like they're, they're trying to get, I wonder like, if information Sword. on Ultron or yeah, I wonder if sword is somehow involved but I mean, that's a little bit of the rumblings uh, was that internet. Yeah. I mean, cause Wanda and, and Quicksilver Petro came out of age of Ultron. This is all really weird visions at central piece. And so who knows, but that's a theory I had seen. Yeah. Okay. So speaking of theories online, I, I did some uh, internet research or whatever you want to call it, <laughs> but cause uh, and we mentioned this too, but like after each of these uh, WandaVision episodes, Disney Plus is, uh, I don't know, graciously telling us to watch Age of Ultron. And I think there was, it was like trending on Twitter because of that. But then people were starting to talk about like, why the fuck is Disney doing that? And so then there was, you know, a lot of people were thinking like, well, maybe there's some clues in Age of Ultron to what's happening in WandaVision. And I thought one of them was quite interesting in that they were um, discussing how Thor goes to do his like, uh, his his vision quest or whatever. Yeah. Vision quest. Yeah. See what I did there. Yeah. <laughs> Stupid. Anyway, when he comes, when he comes back and like warns the Avengers, he says, uh, I quote, I, uh, I ripped this quote from what he says, but it, he says, uh, a whirlpool that sucks in all hope of life. And at the center, the mind stone. So, so that's his warning. And it's like, okay, well, it, I, I mean, you might, Fans might be reaching here, but that's sort of like what the hex is doing to the people living there is like sucking all their life or like hope of life out. And then the center of this hex could be the Mind Stone. I don't know how the fuck the Mind Stone comes back, but hmm. I don't know. We'll see. It feels like the like there's going to be a couple more big reveals in this show. Maybe she's so powerful she can recreate the Mind Stone, right? Because her power is from the Mind Stone. But- and she does seem quite a bit more powerful now than... Previously, mm-hmm. even though I don't know how that's possible, she was already one of the more powerful Avengers. All right. Well, yeah. I, to me, that's what I always thought was silly. Was like she's like the most powerful Avenger of the crew, uh, and they're starting to push that through now that that's a reality. Of course, at the end of the show, she kind of proves that by getting pissed off and yeah, it's trying like to Thor, see. Captain, uh, Captain Marvel, her. Like, who else would you put there at the top? You put Thor over Captain I, I'm, not, I'm not ranking them. I'm just oh, saying okay. the top ones. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I mean, Thor's pretty fucking powerful. Yeah, Thor <laughs> and Captain Marvel and uh, Wanda and um, Black Widow. No, just <laughs> yeah, Black Widow. <laughs> Joking. Yes. Yeah, I know. But, um, yeah, as for raw power is all. Yeah, like physical or power mm-hmm. attributes. Mm-hmm. I mean, vision. Vision was kind of lame, though, too. It's like they made him, oh, he's super, super powerful in Age of Ultron. He's going to be a badass. And then the rest of the movies, he's like a chump. But he just but, doesn't do as much. He's not as critical. Yeah. And what was the other one? Oh, they gave a little bit of insight to uh, Monica Rambeau giving powers. Right? Oh, oh yeah, because she's gone through the hex multiple times. So it's starting to rewrite her DNA or whatever. And then I was super pumped that uh, Darcy got sucked in at the end 
because I'm like, yes, I want to see what happens with Darcy inside of Westview. So, oh yeah, okay. So this was also a nerd conversation online because um, in Marvel's or not Marvel's in Fox's version of the MC or X Men movies, the X Men are mutants, right? They're not um, super powered beings. So mutants are born with the their traits, and it seems like they're trying to blend both of those together now because that's it seems like what's happening with um rambo is that she's it's like mutated her 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 body right so she's i thought that was an interesting thing that people were talking about was how how do they bring those two together the one one guy's theory was that it goes all the way back to iron man one where um, something happens with the arc reactor and that ends up triggering um, mutations in people so then it makes iron man even more marvel the center of the marvel universe and sort of brings him back into the fold but i don't know we'll, we'll see but yeah i mean they have they have so many options that can oh, just yeah. be a part i mean the the fact of the snap and everyone came back i mean that really happened you disappeared for five years into where so the idea is when you come back you got mutated or something you know a lot of them which monica was one of them right and and Wanda was one of them, and now she came back and seems to be even more powerful than she was before. So maybe there's something with that. Well, the Rambo is—they're not saying that she got mutated from the snap, right? That was from the hex. Well, correct, but I'm saying that because she was in the snap, like she may be more susceptible to mutation oh, in a okay. way. But you're right. I mean, like that's just how they can explain a lot of different people. Yeah, and that, and that was—that's something we didn't touch on. Was um, they sort of deal with like what's some of the fallout? from people coming back from the snap after five years because Rambo's uh, ma- mom or grandmother had died before she came back. The mom, yeah. Your yeah, mom, she woke yeah. up in the hospital room where her mother was prior to that. Yeah, like she just left her. Which, yeah, the mother was was the woman in Captain Marvel, right? So Monica was the little girl mm-hmm. that colored Captain America's suit and everything. So that's... They skip that ahead. Yeah. And they call, they call that girl Rambo all the time. That's why originally I was like, that's Monica Rambo, but it wasn't. It was her mother. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, some of these characters I just don't know. I'm not as familiar with. So it's, it's fun to have, uh, be introduced to new characters and see what their, their histories are. Yeah, and we'll see how this goes because, uh, you know, in in comic book days when i read all these comics i always x-men and the mutant concept was always my favorite i always liked that more than superhero stuff i wasn't i wasn't into avengers or thor or iron man i was into the mutants me too was and was probably number yeah, one for me as well they were already kind of you know because of licensing and all that stuff they already messed a lot of that up because wanda's power doesn't come from the mind stone nor does quicksilvers and all these different you know uh as far as I know, Captain Marvel wasn't created by one of the Infinity Stones either, so they just used that to tie in their Infinity Saga together. And so now they'll have to fix that with uh, hopefully some proper X-Men introduction. I hope we do get a revisit of X-Men because it's funny because what you're saying is like our our favorite comics growing up were X-Men, and I feel like those series of movies are not as good as the no. Marvel ones, which are Thor, no. Iron Man, Captain America, which I didn't wasn't I just wasn't into those guys either. I was like, what Thor? This guy's kind of cheese ball, right? But when you put him on screen, all these guys are amazing. Or maybe 
you put them on screen as the MCU has done. And it's just, I don't know, they really knocked it out of the park with those guys. Where So hopefully X-Men gets the same treatment. Yeah. Yeah, but I will boycott the crap out of the MCU if they do what Fox did and have always robbed me of the greatest X-Men <laughs> ever. Okay, he's not the greatest, but... He is the greatest. <laughs> Gambit better fucking show up right away, okay? Uh, he's been he, in there twice, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah you know what? The, the Kushner... What is it? Yeah, is Kushner... No, Kushner. Who played him? Yeah. He he was in John Carter and stuff. He, he that was yeah. actually pretty Friday decent. Night Lights. Yeah, I didn't mind that one at all. Taylor Kitsch. Yeah, that's it. And then the 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 rumor of the Gambit movie that's been stalled out for decades or more that had uh, Channing Tatum behind. It. I'm like, dude, I don't want that. Seems like a terrible casting choice. But he's from now, Louisiana, I think. Yeah, but hopefully now. Right, but he's still like, I don't know, he just, he doesn't have the getting a little older physique and everything to be what? Gambit. Oh, like, what do you mean? Yeah, like he's a, more buff, like he's too okay. buff and, you know. Sure. So, it needs to be more of a scraggly type dude. <laughs> but, oh my god, they better fucking have Gambit or <laughs> if I have to see more Wolverine without Gambit around, it's so stupid. Wolverine is probably the best, that's why they do it. Mm. <sighs> yep. But in which I didn't watch that, but I guess at the Super Bowl, the Falcon Winter Soldier, something hinted at that Wolverine was going to be in it. Did you see or hear about that? I watched it. I just don't remember that, though. Yeah, I don't it seemed know. like they were like, oh, this is hints that the X-Men are going to be introduced during that. And it had to do with Wolverine. I'm like, I don't know. I'm going to watch it, but I don't, hmm. I don't know. You know, what? I think I was watching it and was the trailer i thought the trailer was the one i had already watched so i kind of was like i've seen this i sort of disengaged from it i wasn't looking at it too intently i had heard that storm was going to show up in black panther 2 now i hear wolverine and falcon and winter soldier hmm. uh, and then something else in captain marvel i don't remember now but whatever we'll see but hopefully it's the new era of bringing the x-men together Okay, I think that's good for Wanda episodes five and six. So moving on to rom com. Rom coms. Okay. Probably, probably just roll over this in a way, but I've always been a fan of the romantic comedy. How about you? Um. Okay. So it, it, this kind of depends. And this is one of the genres that if you told me, it's like, hey, um, I found this rom-com. It's really good. You should watch it. I'll be like, oh, man, I don't know. I don't know, <laughs> I don't know how this is going to go, right? And uh, I think what I'm talking about is like when I think of when someone says rom-com, like the short version there, right? Like not romantic comedy, but when they actually say rom-com, they're talking about the type of movie where two people like uh, get together, but they're sort of hesitant to get together. And the reason why they get together is some like ridiculous scenario. And then one of them um, does something stupid. So then they are not together. And then by the end, it, it's like save, save the day they get together and they end up together. That's like the rom-com in, in a nutshell. I'm like, I'm just, I know it's generalizing, but that's the one I think of when, they, when you say rom-com. And those are the ones that I usually don't really care for only because 
you know, it's you've seen one, you've seen them all. And right. a lot of times the ridiculous scenario that you get them in is just too stupid, I think. And so I just it just rips me right out of the movie. And I'm just like, okay, this this really just isn't for me. But if you're if we talk about like more in a broader sense of um rom coms or romantic comedies, um, there are quite a few that I am uh that I really like and I really enjoy. I mean it's it's hard not to like they're meant for you to, they're meant for you to consume like candy you know so i mean it, they're meant to be um lighthearted fun so and that's perfect the way that you brought that up too is because i guess that was the original thought of this topic is not necessarily to just talk about the movies and the genres but to talk about the genre itself and you're right that we like, i didn't think about it until you said that but when you f- actually say rom-com the cert that certain type of movie gets in your head but i find lots of other movies that are considered romantic movies or whatever also humorous but maybe they're not comedy i mean technically when we talk about spontaneous later that is a romantic dark comedy you know to me but it's not the same thing as something like how to lose a guy in 10 days yeah or something slightly like different. that right so, I mean, to say I like rom-coms is, it, it is, I think it's more in line with what you're talking about is the more, <laughs> uh, not the, not the generic term for it, not failure to launch, how to lose a guy in 10 days. Right. Uh, I mean, I do like 10 things I hate about you, but that's, uh, those typical, she's it's all that, all those weird ones. So, yeah, so, um, there's like. Yeah, there's there are those ones that I I think are usually mostly throwaways and are kind of dumb. Like you kind of you might enjoy them while you're watching them. I think this is where people would call like a guilty pleasure, maybe. Yeah. Although I don't I don't I hesitate to use that word because I don't really like the word guilty pleasure because that like sort of insinuates that you know it's a bad movie but you still like it. But I don't really like that idea because if you like it, that means you think it's a good movie. So while I say guilty pleasure, it's uh. I don't know. I use that term pretty loosely. Like I like the like with the rom coms. I am sort of known to like the movie um, Six Days Seven Nights with Harrison Ford <laughs> and Anne Heche. Yeah, and I mean, I like it, and I like it because it's doing its job at what it what for what it is, right? And like it is a kind of a stupid one. Like the premise, they get stranded, and they definitely don't like each other like they're completely opposites but then they sort of end up together i mean it's the standard rom-com thing right but <laughs> i like Anne haitian that movie is like so over the top and so annoying but it makes her so effective next to harrison ford who like seems like he gets really annoyed at easy things and then because they're stranded harrison ford gets to do harrison ford things like you know he builds a raft or a plane or some shit i, I forget what it is but he's doing stuff out in the wilderness and you're like yeah that's Harrison Ford. He, he can do those things. <laughs> I don't know. I, I'll watch that that one, but th- those are the ones I I care. I sort of don't care to like as much. So, yeah, a lot of those other ones I've grown out of just by. I mean, I don't know. They make more sense when you're younger. Yeah, sure. <laughs> and you watch them as well. But, um, yeah, six day. What is it? Six days, seven nights. That is I think long. that's what I haven't it is. seen that in a long time. <laughs> it's, yeah. a, it's a '90s one, but it's, right. yeah, it's one of those ones. Where I'm like, ah, Harrison Ford. Oh, so I'll sit down and watch it because he's in it, and then I'm like, this movie's kind of dumb, but I'm watching it anyway. So, you know, and yeah. one uh, which again, I guess, is not a rom com, but we'll just talk about uh, whatever romantic movies in general or something that everyone yeah. loves. You know, stuff like The Notebook, but 
to me, like one of my all time favorite movies in this kind of category is About Time. Oh, Have this you is seen this? pretty kind of yeah. recent, like 2000. Yeah. Well, not, not that recent. Well, within but... the past 10 years, yeah. I think it was yeah. 2012, maybe. I don't know. I do like this movie. I think it's really good. Yeah. I mean, that just tears at y'all all around. I mean, it has more to do than just. Uh, so, I mean, in the movie, he he finds out that he can travel through time. His um, family can, right? Correct. Like the men <laughs> or something. Only the guys can. Yeah. And he finds this out. And so he keeps trying to, like, fix the situation with this girl he met. Uh, so they can. But every time he does it, something goes wrong and he's got to redo it again. And, you know, it's not just about the relationship. It's also about family and his relationship with his father and stuff like that. So it's overall. And it's comedic as well so it's pretty clever in yeah. how they do it because his power almost ends up like failing him in what he's trying to do like it works against him even though it's helping him so it, it's pretty good that's probably yeah, I, I like you know, that. one of my favorite ones more recently yeah more out of the more recent ones i i agree with you i think that's when that one's pretty good like I, when i think of my my favorite one of all time and is uh is probably annie hall and this is where like the rom-com it seems like anytime you know we any anytime anyone talks about like the best rom-coms it seems like every 10 or 15 years there's one that comes out that everyone sort of points to as the new best one and i feel like like in the 70s and early 80s annie hall was it and then um in the 80s it was everyone always talks about um, when harry met sally and i love i love talking about this genre in these two movies because the difference in these two movies is exactly why why I think one is way better than the other, and why I like you know why I like one way more than the other. In in Annie Hall, the they end up not getting together, whereas in When Harry Met Sally, they do end up getting together. And both of the movies, it seems like as the movies go on, that the two uh, the two uh, leads don't really seem to like each other and so to me annie hall makes sense because they don't they shouldn't be together <laughs> but then something changes in the 80s where it's like oh no we need to have a happy ending with these and when harry met sally they end up together but it never made sense to me because it's like these people are fucking assholes i don't understand why they're together <laughs> in the movie yeah. it, it, like every time i watch that movie i'm like why why is this ending like this this makes no sense to me Oh, yeah. So many of those movies, it's in the end. I'm, you, oh, well, if this were to continue on, there's no sequel because they're going to break up or what? <laughs> That's just when you foresee how it really is going to end. But yeah, this, this is why I sort of uh, dis I'll come down hard on this genre because it tries to wrap everything up into a nice tight bow and it feels a little uh, disingenuous at what it's uh, sort of portraying as the expectations on what a relationship should be. And so that's why it's, I think on some of the more ridiculous ones, I'll, I'll really tear into them because I'm like, that, that's just so unrealistic. I, I don't think that's healthy to um, approach a relationship like that. So, Oh, yeah, it's a cause of uh, many problems <laughs> in relationships across the globe is uh, Hollywood, the way they do it. Yeah, and so this... Um, cause you were talking about more recent rom-coms and I, this is one of those that's sort of, uh, maybe not me. I mean, you, you, you tell me a, a fringe rom-com, but the movie, uh, La La Land, I mean, I know that's probably musical first, but it is, you know, about two people getting together. So oh, yeah. I don't know. 
You th- okay, you, th- you think that's a rom-com too. Oh, but, well, yeah, I mean, it could fall in that for sure because there's definitely humor. Yeah, so I think this movie is, it, this is, I think this movie is pretty clever and this sort of hits on what I was mentioning with Annie Hall and uh, When Harry Met Sally, but that movie is um, two people getting together and at the beginning, they sort of have this idea of what they want their lives to be together, which is sort of like what, what La La Land stands for, right? And then as they work towards the thing that they want to be, they start to make um, concessions in, in, in getting there and they start to uh, sort of split apart. And then by the time they um, realize that it's too late, so they can't be together. And then after a couple of years pass, they sort of both end up actually getting what they want. And then, I mean, if you've seen the movie, you know, like at the end, it um, they end up in the club that uh, the Ryan Gosling character always wanted. And they sort of have, you know, this moment where they look at each other and in that moment, you know, they're thinking about, you know, each other in La La Land. So it was kind of like they like the idea of themselves together, but they never quite got there. But they did get there for one brief moment. And so it's like this pull back and forth. And I think it's a really good dissection of what, you know, these um, movies are trying to go and, and get. Yeah, that was one of the most powerful and greatest scenes in cinema or cinema, I believe, <laughs> is that club scene. And he's playing that song and she's there watching it. And it's just that the silence looks and nods that, you know, no hard feelings. You both got where you wanted to go and you're happy with each other. And yeah, you got to live that moment. Right. Right. At the same time, they're happy for each other. But at the same time, they always have that version of themselves that they made it there together in, in, you know, in La La Land. You know, it can only happen in the movies. This is where they... They don't end up together, but they are together, right? And and I I really I really think it's a clever um, take on on the on the genre. Uh, despite that, though, I really dislike the opening sequence in that movie, where I don't fucking understand. They're just like, hey, let's throw- yeah, it's just this musical number at the beginning, and it's like, okay, I guess they're announcing this as a musical, but I fucking knew that going in, but it has no relevance to the rest of the movie. Like, if the movie started five or ten minutes, however long the sequence is. After, you know, just right where it ends, I think it would have been a lot better movie to me. Like, I always, every time I watch that movie, I'm like, why is this yeah. here? <laughs> it's so annoying. Oh, it's just, yeah. M- musical elements, I guess. So, yeah. Got to have the big, huge number. And then it brings us right into the fact that they're in a traffic jam together. But, yep. You're right. It could be lost. Uh, another. Another series that I actually didn't watch until I think this year I finally had broke down and watched them was the Before Trilogy. And do you know that with Ethan Hawke and Julie Delpy? Oh, yeah. Uh, Yeah, before. Walking and Talking movies? Yeah, Sunrise, Sunset, and Midnight. Yeah, it's really good. And right, those were released like 10 years apart from each other. And... I've always seen them. I'm like, whatever, I'll get around to them. And then I finally got to watch all three of them and I watched them. And it was just like such a great collection. I thought it would have been terrible if I watched them when they actually came out and had to wait that long. But <laughs> <laughs> I did. I did watch them yeah. as they but came that, out. So. Yeah, that definitely just wraps up an entire relationship and the idea of the every stage. <clears throat> so that was a good one, too. That's um, the uh, Richard Linklater did those movies, I think, which, I mean, he has, he has quite a, 
um, relationship with Ethan Hawke because they did the movie Boyhood together too, which is that that was a cool idea too. That was where yeah. they filmed, you know, number of years apart. So that's kind of his thing, I guess. Yeah, but that that trilogy is really good. I thought I was just going to list a couple of some of my favorite rom coms just just to get uh-huh. them in here, but. I already said Annie Hall and La La Land, but I really like uh, Harold and Maude, which isn't quite um, a relationship, like as a uh, romantic relationship. It's like a, this really young guy and old guy. I don't know if you've ever seen that movie, but it's pretty crazy. Um, I think you would like it if you haven't seen it. Um, now Voyager, the, this is from uh, the 1940s. This is a Betty Davis movie. And I also, that's a little loose on the rom-com, but I, I do I do like enjoy that one. And that, one another one from uh, I think it's 1940s too is Brief Encounter, and this is sort of when I think of romantic movies that take place in and around trains. This is the one I think of, like because it, it seems to be like a train station or some public um, forum or some public area is you know a lot of a centerpiece of a lot of rom coms, and this movie does uh, a train station in a, a cafe at a train station in particular, but it's, it's a pretty good one. And and then I like uh, forgetting Sarah Marshall. Oh yeah, love I, that I, one. Yeah, I do too. <laughs> it, it, it's really good. I, I I really like everything about that one. Really hits for me. And uh, my my last one, which is also a loose kind of a loose one, is Modern Times. Is the uh, Charlie Chaplin movie, and it, I think the it's not entirely a romantic interest movie, but there is a portion of it is, and I and I really like it. it, it um, it's amazing to me watching a silent movie where you can um, just see the interaction between two people and know that they have a, you know, a romantic interest. So that's why I brought that one up. Yeah. When they can convey that with silence and, you know, going back to the La La Land part is a lot of that took place just looking at each other. So yeah, like I want, it'd be interesting watching that sequence on uh, uh, like on mute or something. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, Oh yeah, yeah. One of my favorite romantic comedies was Turner and Hooch. <laughs> oh, that's just what I thought when you said Harold and Maude. <laughs> I'm like, oh, well, if we're doing just relationships, then do Turner and Hooch, Tom Hanks and his dog. But, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Harold and Maude might be pretty loose, but I, I, I don't. I have trying not to seen that in. though. Yeah, yeah. This it's this kid has like this like overly obsessive interest in death, and it's almost like he's he's like suicidal and then he befriends this like older woman who's sort of at the end of her life and they add she lives like a really free and carefree life and it's just really weird <laughs> movie their, their relationship and how the movie goes the only other notable i could probably list off a bunch of them but uh the only like about time uh was my major one and then Another one, I think, I think it was from the nineties or the early two thousands. It's called Sliding Doors. Oh yeah, and that was with that. Gwyneth Paltrow, and I've always appreciated that movie as well. Which is just the idea of uh, how like one change, and it, you know, you follow two different paths of her life, and one she comes home and finds her cheating husband or boyfriend or whatever, and the other one she didn't. So you follow two paths of how her life is different you know yeah it's clever setup yeah yeah so that's the only other really 
I have I have a secondary list of uh, <laughs> I don't know if, I don't know if we if I need to list all these, but but uh, um, these are I, I don't I don't want to say they're lesser ones, but maybe some of the more like ones that I wouldn't really want to watch all the time. But I had say anything, John Cusack, one from the eighties, the High Fidelity, also John Cusack. Like I like watching these, but this these sort of have that like kind of dumb set up premise that I was talking about earlier. Uh, the, a recent one, what the Palm Springs movie, which I thought was one of the best movies from last year. I think that's qualifies as a romantic comedy with a ridiculous yeah. scenario. Like mm-hmm. I really thought that was a clever movie. Yeah. Did you see the movie um, Big, The Big Sick? No. Oh, that was pretty no. good. Too. I had that on my list. Oh. I have a, well, yeah, like there's one called like me before you or something like that with Amelia Clark. And that's a pretty good movie because I love Amelia Clark. <laughs> I'm trying to, cause I know there's other ones. She, well, she was in that one last Christmas, um, that just came out recently. It was also kind of a romantic thing, but yeah, I'm not as into you, Amelia Clark as, as you yeah. are. She's one of my she, least favorite characters on Game of Thrones. <laughs> oh yeah, well I don't even I don't even I'm not injured even because of Game of Thrones, it's because in her other movies, like she's got a very um rubber face. I don't know how you would say it. Very ex- expression. <laughs> she she, oh, she has okay. one of those expressions, like she could just Okay. Her yeah. smiling and her eye all over the place is just <laughs> I rubber think it's face very cool. sounds funny. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what that meant. I just imagine like a rubber bullet going off of her face. <laughs> like that's what I thought of. <laughs> Which is not a very good example, but like Jim Carrey has a rubber face in a way sure. where he can always do that weird stuff. So But yeah. Uh uh Morning Glory was a sweet one too with Rachel McAdams. Hey, that's a Harrison Ford one. Yeah, yeah. He was. A, he likes to play grumpy ass men. Yeah, he does. It's, it's like it's either that or an acting <laughs> star. So, yeah, <laughs> which he is grumpy in those movies too. Correct. Yep. Hey, you got to pick what you know. That's that's the sign of a good actor, I think. Is <laughs> roles that fit you. Yeah, yeah. Makes your job easier. So, the uh, your number one movie from last year was a rom-com i guess like close to it anyway maybe maybe a little bit of an outlier in the rom-com because it like you were saying it's sort of the uh dark comedy in there as well but the the movie spontaneous i i did get a chance to watch that this week and so i think we can we can talk about that movie now all right you want to set it up it's amazing i have a feeling that you're gonna not agree with that but (laughs) you have a feeling that's how it Tends to go, but I don't know. It's nice and fresh in your head. Spontaneous is the dark comedy slash horror type weird movie of uh, a senior class in high school. They start to spontaneously combust. So it's kind of metaphorical of a lot of different things you can associate with, but the idea is to live life to the fullest. You don't know when you're going to die. Yeah, it's it, like the movie starts off with like, it looks like a normal coming of age story. And then one of your classmates just explodes and then it turns, <laughs> yeah. makes a 
takes a turn because it's like I'm thinking of the scene where they're all sitting around sort of isolated in like the cafeteria or something and they're talking about what just happened. <laughs> it's kind of like, okay, my, our friend just exploded. What the hell do we do now? Yeah. As part of the, you know, what, what happened? Oh, that girl exploded like a bomb. And she's like, no, like a balloon. <laughs> like, <laughs> just don't know how to describe that kind of stuff, which, which I had mentioned that I was going to try and read the book before this happened. And I didn't get very far into it, but it is definitely set up differently in the intro, at least. Uh, but I'm hoping for some more explanation of it. But overall, what was your take on it? Um, so this is, this is, this is not one of my favorite movies from last year. I, I think it was, you know, it, it doesn't do anything like egregious, right? Like, like, I don't think it's a, it's a bad movie by any means, but I, I, I'm not, I don't think it's like a great movie either, which I don't know if that can be like both good and bad for me. Like I almost am like a little indifferent on it. And there's like, I think the, the idea is unique. And I think the I think the best thing I liked about it was sort of um, these these kids are um, in high school and they have this event that happens and I and I sort of um, I sort of thought of this as like a uh, like a school shooting event, right? Mm-hmm. But like when you think of a school shooting event, that's one isolated event that happens, and then they but. The thing that happens with those is that those kids have to deal with that for the rest of their life. So I think when, in this movie, like the kids keep exploding, like different kids, you know, they don't, they can't solve it. So, so more and more kids are exploding. So I think um, I, I like that aspect as like this one event happened early where one of the kids exploded and they were trying to deal with it, but then more and more kids were um, exploding. So it was like this constant thing in their lives that, that was like, you know, sort of ever changing and, um, always they're always going to keep that with them no matter where they go within their lives so i like i like that aspect of it like um but i thought at times like there's there's a couple of dialogue moments where it and and maybe maybe i'm just being a little over overly critical here but the it felt like uh, either like a 28 to 35 year old wrote the dialogue that these kids were saying, like I was like, this does it just it just felt a little off in that regard, and and, and that I mean it's that maybe that's probably just a little overcritical because I thought the the cast was mostly mostly good. They got some of the awkward interactions pretty good, but I don't know. It, and, and those, I mean, the main two characters in particular were definitely meant to feel older than the rest of their classmates or wiser in some way. Uh, more cynical and uh, things like that, more mature. Uh, is how it was, so I could see why you saw it that way as well. Yeah, I don't know how old the two lead actors are, but usually in these types of movies, you know, any any high school movie, they like hire like nineteen to twenty five year olds, right? And it always like it feels a little bit off in, in the age. I think the two leads were probably they they seem younger. Like I didn't think they were older, but yeah, I think they're like twenty three or twenty to 25 okay i remember looking this up i do that a lot when we watch this stuff and he's actually like two years younger than she is Mm. the like color gradient was weird throughout the whole movie because when when the people explode it's almost like this pink color and i don't know if that was to take away from it being too horrific but then at the same time the the kid's reaction was 
like they were horrified. So then I don't know. It just gave me this weird reaction going back and forth between like it's almost silly color <laughs> like this versus, you know, an actual event like a school shooting. So it, I don't know. There was just some there was just a couple of things like that that seemed a little bit off to me. Yeah. Buckets and buckets of blood, though. Of pink blood. Yeah. Buckets uh, of pink yeah. paint. Not all of it, but <laughs> I think uh, some of that might come off more because there's a lot of misting as opposed to <laughs> straight up getting, you know, dumped blood on you. But mm -hmm. uh, so the misting may have that kind of effect, but it, it is definitely a little bit more washed out, uh, lighter color. Yeah, because there was a couple of scenes with uh, some some lighting where like the kid's lips look pink or purple to me and i'm like why is yeah. it why is it doing that and then like every scene was sort of like that and I, so I don't i could never figure out why that decision was made and i um didn't care enough about this movie to really think about it long enough after i watched it to to um understand that but yeah if someone has an explanation i'd, I'd like to hear it i was trying to think of uh if this was the movie uh where their eyes were like super blue like, you could tell it was on purpose, but it might have been a different movie. I think you're talking about Dune? No. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That's what this happens with their spice eyes. <laughs> All right. Um, but yeah, overall, the school, I didn't hear the school shooting one before, but yeah, the, the fact that this took place over a long period of time, it could be metaphorical as to your, the emotional... Uh, coping which like you said even though they die one at a time spread out it could just be you know these are all the kids that died in that shooting yeah and I'm coping with it over the course of the year um, right off the bat I even thought of the idea of like like the COVID fear and everything even though this was made before COVID came out but it could be just that general idea of some type of sickness or disease where Anybody could go. Well, yeah, they think they like quarantine the kids, right? They think it's something wrong with the kids, and they don't, I don't think they ever really explain what has happened. But you know, right, they the sort of quarantine that city almost too, right? They don't they don't let them leave the city. And that was something that they didn't. I, I mean, I guess I don't I don't remember how I picked up on it, but it was just that one classroom. It wasn't even the entire senior class. It was just that particular classroom of kids. Oh. So I don't know why they did that. And, then, and that's one reason why I want to read the book is see if they explain a little bit more into that. But um, <clears throat> like it wasn't the entire graduating senior class that was experienced this. The kids that blew up only came from that particular. They kept saying, I don't even remember what the class was now, but calculus or something like that. Hmm. Uh, I, didn't, and they, I didn't pick that up when I was watching it. I thought it was like the whole senior class. And then, uh, yeah, when they went like the government came in and quarantined them and then they developed a drug to counteract it and it was always like well, we don't know what's going on but this drug seems to suppress it so now you have to take this drug your whole life so it's but you know it's in that idea of this is the drug industry and how we handle sickness and things like that and and even when they thought they were in the clear and then it was the one scene where like everybody started exploding basically <laughs> Yeah, they're like running through the hallways. And yeah, and I mean, right. they briefly touch on it and they're like, well, you know, sorry, that was a bad batch of the drug we gave you, which actually accelerated it. So, yeah, she comments on that saying that 
they said that and then she was pretty sure that they, the pharmaceutical company just wanted to be able to sell her drugs for the rest of her life, which, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, that happens, though. So. A lot of political stuff in there as well. Yep. Yeah, was, yeah I think um, where like a, uh, like a horror movie will will sort of give you some political commentary. That's where this was sort of drawing it. Cause it's kind of like horror light. Like you're saying, it's almost hard to describe it. It's just like just the buckets of blood like, <laughs> is reminiscent of like a, I don't know, a zombie's head exploding or something, but it doesn't really, it's not really a horror movie. So people who don't like horror movies, I don't think we'd be able to watch this. So that's the weirdness of it. It's like, <laughs> this is, well, um, the other thing I was thinking about with this movie is, that I feel like um, don't don't take this too harshly. I I, I kind of was feeling like if I if this is really aimed at a younger audience, and I was while I was watching it, I was really feeling like yeah, this isn't for me. Like I like this genre is already like not my favorite to begin with, but like a rom com that takes place as a coming of age with teenagers movie is one that you know I. I've seen enough of them where I feel like I don't have to watch them that much anymore, even though I do like um, a lot of these movies still. Like I, I think the 2019, that movie uh, uh, book smart, like that's a coming of age movie about teenagers. Like I was really into that one, but I was, I mean, it depends on, on, on it obviously, but this one I really felt like, ah, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe if I was a lot younger, I would really be into this. Cause I think there's enough, uh, I think I feel like you would be a little bit closer to to the feelings of what these kids are going through, and maybe I'd be able to identify a little bit more, at least more than I I did. Yeah, yeah, I don't take offense to that, but I get that, and it is it's a young audience type thing. That's why even when I bought the book, I'm like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> Can you whatever. send me to the um, young adult section? Yeah. <laughs> I'm looking for him, right. Yeah. But I mean, that's the thing that comes up all the time. And a lot of the stuff we watch is considered young adult stuff. Yeah. But. Yeah. So I think like, well, I would probably, I'd probably give it like a three. I was borderline three, two, five on this, but I, I don't think it, you know, I thought it was good enough, you know, like it just, there wasn't anything I was like, well, that's fucking stupid. You know, it wasn't like, it wasn't bad or anything, but not my favorite, but it, I still did. It's still a thumbs up. But. Was it better than Tenet? <laughs> don't, don't right know. now, not future Tenet. I don't, know. Don't I come know. back from the future and tell me that you thought it was a great movie and then. <laughs> uh, well, I think I gave Tenet a three as well, so they would be almost equal. Um, but I usually, um, I, we've talked about this in the past, but I, I, I rate movies uh, within genre. So right. as genres go, that, that, that's how I'm. So I'm giving it. So it's, right, right. Yeah, tenant. <laughs> I don't like to compare him cross genre, like genre like that. But I don't know. Well, sure, you got to have an overarching entertainment rating, right? Like I don't know. Uh, was it enjoyable? Like you were talking about earlier, like the guilty pleasure type thing. And I don't know. I mean, I I, I always say that I recognize that horror movies aren't technically usually high quality movies but they are enjoyable that's why it would be a guilty pleasure for me yeah i know that's why i'm uncomfortable so, with that using that because i think it's good so you know what i'm going to defend yeah. it as good i don't care if you think it's bad necessarily like i i can see maybe how someone else would think it's bad but to me i think when a movie does things right and you like it that means you think it's a good movie like so 
I think we were talking last week or about uh, Saw, the Saw series as well. And you could be like, yeah, the first Saw was really, really clever and good and all that. And the rest were not. However, they were still hilariously good time <laughs> with tons of blood and broken crap. Mm-hmm. Either way. Actually, I, ha- yeah, I have another question. So, I mean, this is, since this is sort of a, we're talking about stuff for Valentine's Day, President's Day is also coming up. So who is your favorite on-screen president? Oh, this is so easy. This is like, oh my God, this is a great question though. Um, favorite on-screen president is Daniel Day-Lewis as Lincoln. Lincoln. When I watched that movie, I don't see, like, this, this is a testament to Daniel Day-Lewis is that He's a really famous actor, but I think he does it right that he only does a couple of movies every, I don't know, ten years. It seems like so you don't, you don't necessarily you don't see him pop up all the time. You maybe you're not as familiar with him, but when he was on screen as Lincoln, I just did not see Daniel Day Lewis. I saw Lincoln, and I felt like I saw Lincoln for the very first time. Like it was looking, we're looking at a time capsule or something. It was, wow. it was incredible, incredible performance, and the movie is, it's it's one of my favorite movies um, by Spielberg too. Like it. it uh, I yeah that 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 to me that's that's a that's a no brainer for me. It's- See, I, I'll have to watch that. I own it. I've never watched it though, and maybe I'll watch it on Monday. For President, it's pretty Day. good. Yeah, that that would be a good one to watch. I, I might rewatch it too. I think it's on one of the streaming services. Like I think it's on HBO Max right now or Netflix. But um, it's it's pretty long movie, but they do like some really cool things where because they really show you like some of the political maneuvering to go back and forth. It, you know, between all the, you know, the, the two sides and it, it's, it's pretty clever and it, it's exciting. Like, it, it means it's about politics and. Was it like a three plus hour movie? Cause I want to say that's probably what kept me from watching. I think it's close to three hours. I don't know if it's plus three hours, but it's, it's a long one. Who's, who's yours? Who's, who's your favorite on-screen president? Uh, yeah. I was looking for his real name, uh, instead of his wrestling name, but Tommy tiny Lister. <laughs> President Lindbergh in the Fifth Element. <laughs> <laughs> That's a pretty good one. But I always think of because uh, um, he was in that Hulk Hogan movie and he plays Zeus and he's always says like Zeus, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but because I remember when he showed up in the Fifth Element, I'm like, oh, oh, I, I like because this guy says more words than just Zeus, right? And and Fifth Element is a really fun movie too. So and that was a, it. That's a good pick. Yeah, Zeus. Because he was a wrestler by that name, too. That's what I yeah, was that trying. makes sense why he's in yeah, the Hulk right. Hogan movie. What's that movie called? The Hulk no Holds. Was it No Holds Barred? <laughs> yeah, 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 I yeah, think yeah. it is. No Holds Barred. <laughs> yeah. That or Morgan Freeman in Deep Impact. But. Nah, fuck Morgan Freeman. <laughs> <laughs> I love Morgan Freeman. <laughs> that's a, you know, when's the last time you watched that movie? Because that's a... Oh, it's a oof. long time ago. That's yeah. a tough one. Yeah. That's a tough one. <laughs> that guy that's pretty good though that's pretty good on screen president oh damn yeah what, what about uh bill pullman would be what, independence a good day one. independence day yeah yeah see that's another like i remember when like they did the advertising for independence day and you know the yeah. trailer came out and it was just like the white house blowing up and you're like what the fuck what is this <laughs> and that was a big event movie and that was one of those movies that pushed uh yeah. Uh, Will Smith over the top, but if you rewatch that movie, it's like, what the fuck? Why was this ever a thing? Like, this I, is so fucking yeah. stupid. <laughs> I haven't either. I keep wanting to show the boys that, but I'm like, eh, I don't know. I'll just it leave be, it. You know what? It might be a hilarious outing to have them watch it. Cause just because, like, how, like, I don't know. It's, when did that come out? Late 90s? 
Yeah. There's, there's something about those 90s action movies, sci-fi movies that you're mm-hmm. like, what? What's going on here? Because by today's standards, it's just, I don't know. It's kind of, they feel like misses. <laughs> yeah, I, I've been seeing that too. I don't know what I was looking through, maybe HBO or something, but like The Peacemaker with George Clooney. Like, I remember watching that and being like, oh, yeah. it's a good movie. And now I just think of him like, what? Was it really though? Like, <laughs> it's been a while since you've seen a lot of weird action movies from that era. Yeah, I, I, I know. There's something that, like, I really like 80s action and early 2000 action. And there, I mean, there, there's probably some 90s actions that I like, but there's just a whole slew of them that just don't feel right, <laughs> I think, <laughs> nowadays. So, okay, that's it for this week's episode. See you next time. See you. <laughs>